Episode of Becoming Chiron, the key to unlocking healing and personal alchemy, with me, your hostess Ursula Duffy. Today is Friday, October twenty seventh, and I pressed record right around ten forty seven forty eight a.m. here on the East Coast in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and we are on the eve of a full moon and partial lunar eclipse which is what I will talk about during today's astro weather check. And today's Chiron content will be all about Scorpio and Chiron and Scorpio, which is <clears throat> awesome because I'm so happy that we're finally synced up with the season, the Zodiac season that we're in with our Chiron content. So I think it'll be extra potent moving forward with the rest of these episodes about Chiron through the signs. So just a little caveat as we're getting started here, please bear with me. I did not sleep well last night at all. <laughs> so I'll talk about that as well with the energy of this eclipse season and also the full moon. But man, dreams have been off the charts, vivid, and I have been having a lot of visitors from friends and family and just people that I've known in the past. And I'm just kind of like sitting with all of that as, as far as what that means. But I'm a little out of sorts at the moment, but I still wanted to record this episode anyway and just stay on schedule. And I do have a lot to say about the eclipses and the full moon and everything. So just bear with me if I feel or seem a little scattered. It's just because I did not sleep last night. So <laughs> with that being said, let's get into our astro weather check for today. Like I said, we are on the eve of a full moon and a partial lunar eclipse. This will be the last eclipse of this eclipse season that we've been in since late September, September-ish. I'll talk about that too. Um, and this will be the last eclipse of 2023. So... This will be the fourth eclipse of this year, and I think that I want to get started with reflection on the eclipses of this group. We are closing out the energy of the eclipses in the Scorpio and Taurus axis, and I think that it's important to start there. With full moons, we always have the opportunity for reflection and release in general, and with this one, it's particularly important because we're closing out these eclipses. So what I mean by that is when I started this whole project back in the spring of 2022, that was the first eclipse that we had in Taurus. The nodes of the moon changed signs in late 2021 from Sagittarius and Gemini to Taurus and Scorpio. So from the end of 21 until July of this year, we had the south node going through Scorpio and the north node going through Taurus, which is why the eclipses are in those signs. And as we talked about eclipses during Astro Weather Checks and many episodes in this podcast, eclipses bring change. Eclipses are like course correctors to kind of get you more on track with your soul's intention your chart, and pretty much what you came to do here in this lifetime. So I intentionally started this podcast with that eclipse because, as I've shared, I'm a Taurus rising. And <clears throat> so that's an important part of the invitation that I'm extending to all of you for reflection with 
this eclipse that's coming tomorrow, this full moon, because if you know where Taurus is in your chart, that's where the chapters of the story have been happening. If you know where Scorpio is in your chart on the opposite side, that's where the story has been focused. So with the North Node going through Taurus, that's been an, an area and a space of growth. And with the South Node going through Scorpio, that's been an area and a space of release. If you have any planets or important chart points in those signs or in the other fixed signs, Leo and Aquarius, this these eclipses may have been extra potent for you. Anytime we have an eclipse happening on a natal planet or chart point, it's usually an extra important part of the chapter, an extra important note or theme of the story. So like I said, I started this podcast intentionally during that eclipse back in April of 2022, because I knew that just based on my own chart with Chiron in the first house, that becoming Chiron is a big part of my story. And speaking up and opening my mouth and teaching and talking have been many things that I've grown into in the last few years. Like say, probably since 2018 is when I really started working on being able to open my mouth without being so nervous or scared that I just didn't because of that fear. So this has been a very important healing, cathartic project and process for me, in addition to honoring what I came here to do, because I'm actually in front of a microphone speaking without being nervous and without a script. <laughs> I'm just letting the words flow usually in every episode at this point, which is huge for me. I pretty much have Chiron opposite my Mercury. So it's been just an incredible journey these last couple of years for me, last year and a half. And I'll go back and we'll review dates of the eclipses just so you all have an idea of when the course corrections kind of happened. So just that personal share from myself, thank you all so much for listening and for being here because you all have kept me going in this project and been an instrumental part of my own journey in honoring what I came here to do, but also waking up my voice. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for allowing me to have this project go and keep it going now for a good year and a half, which I'm super excited about. And we're going to keep going. Like I said, in the last episode, these Chiron Through the Science episodes will take us to early next year. And then I didn't hear from anybody about my request for ideas for content for season three. So first and foremost, I will continue honoring it as a you know, guided by spirit, guided by Chiron project, but I'm very much open to feedback as far as what you all want to learn about and hear about in season three, which will start at some point next year. So the eclipses, the first one in Taurus after the nodes changed signs in late 2021 was April 30th of 2022. And that was a partial solar eclipse in Taurus. And then we had two weeks later on May 16th, 2022, a total lunar eclipse in Scorpio. And then in the fall of last year, on October 25th of 22, we had a partial solar in Scorpio. And then on November 8th of 2022, we had a total lunar in Taurus. All of 22, we had the eclipses in fully in Taurus and Scorpio. This year, they started shifting. We had the first one in April, so April 20th of 23, in Aries. That was a solar eclipse. And we talked about that last time as far as, uh, not, not last episode, but the one before, with the <clears throat> Aries full moon episode about that big culmination that we had with that energy because we had two full moons in Aries back in the spring important, important culmination point with the eclipse starting to shift and also with that, those two full moons. So at the end of, at the end of September, that was a big culmination point. And then two weeks after that, on May 5th of this year, we had a lunar eclipse in Scorpio. And then last episode was all about the total lunar or total solar eclipse in Libra, which was on the 14th. And tomorrow we'll have our closing out of the chapter, the Taurus Scorpio chapter at, uh, let's see, 
So for here on the East Coast, the moon will reach fullness at 4.23 p.m. And the eclipses tomorrow, the eclipses are several hours time frame. So, yep, tomorrow afternoon will be our final closeout at five degrees. And I, these are hard to read because they're color coded. It's it's in the early early five degrees of Taurus. So very important energy to reflect, like I said, <clears throat> on that, this whole year, but also all of 2022. What's been changing for you? How have you been growing in the Taurus spaces of your chart? What have you been releasing in the Scorpio parts of your chart? How has how have these eclipses given you an opportunity for course correction? What change has come? And how is that important? And what does that mean? And have you worked with it or have you resisted it? Because we always have that choice. Change is hard. Change can be scary. We're conditioned to just kind of go, you know, with the flow, status quo. So embracing and, and riding with change can usually be hard for some people, harder than others. For me in particular, I have a lot of fixed energy in my chart. So change is extra, extra difficult. <laughs> so if you can relate to that, maybe it's also an invitation to reflect on where you've resisted the changes that have been coming in and coming through. And we'll talk, so let's move into the full moon energy in general. <clears throat> so like I said, it's a full moon in Taurus. Sun, oh, here, I have the numbers now. I can see them. <laughs> Five degrees, nine minutes of Scorpio is where the sun is. And five degrees, nine minutes at 4.23 p.m. here on the East Coast of Taurus is where the moon will be full. And with full moons in general, we always talk about it, opportunity for release. With the eclipse energies, adding into that, it's like a full moon on steroids. There are definitely more there's more energy with the emotional undertones with the subconscious undertones which i can definitely say is why the dreamscape is usually <laughs> more lit up during full moons and i can personally relate to that based on what i've already shared and i feel like we're usually talking about squares a lot in this podcast and we have a square present but this one this full moon this eclipse in particular we have more oppositions, which is interesting. And that's an opportunity and an invitation to really dive deeply into the polarity, the duality between the Taurus and Scorpio axis. So this energy in particular, we always have an opposition when the moon is full between the sun and the moon. So we have that energy present and we also have Jupiter very close to the moon right now uh, when the moon is full you will see jupiter to the left jupiter is at its brightest and i'm pretty sure that's for most of the northern hemisphere <laughs> it might look different in the southern so if you're listening in other countries pardon if that's not the same case for you but jupiter will be very close to the moon and jupiter is at its brightest it's opposite the sun right now which is when the outer planets are at, the ones that we can see are at their brightest and we have Tor uh, we have Uranus and Taurus kind of close, hanging out on the proximity. So it could bring some, you know, surprises or that kind of energy, that electric feel, that eccentricity, some kind of, you know, extra, extra electricity to the vibe that we're experiencing during the time of the full moon. Just Uranus is present. It's not very close, but it's there. And on the other side, in Scorpio, we have the sun. Like I said, Mercury is in Scorpio now, very close to the sun. And so is planet Mars. So we had Mercury shift into Scorpio back on the 22nd of October. We had Mars shift into Scorpio back on the 12th of October. Mars is very strong in Scorpio. It's one of the signs that it rules. And Mercury in Scorpio is my natal placement and it's very much deep intuition it's like a detective and it's very important right now to pay attention to your dreams to your subconscious to your unconscious to the intuitive hits that you're getting to deep thinking and anything that's sort of been kind of a little bit below the surface that's now coming up 
and it might be a little bit delayed with this energy because Mercury and Mars are both invisible right now. Mercury has now gone past the sun on the other side and is now growing into an evening star. And Mars is kind of on the precipice of a new cycle itself. And they're both under the beams, combust, as it said, invisible to us. So hidden things in with Scorpio energy in general is a theme. But with these two personal planets kind of present on the opposite side of the moon right now, very close to the sun, parts of the story might take a little bit longer to reveal themselves. So with oppositions, I've talked about oppositions before, it's always an opportunity for balance. And with this full moon, with the Taurus Scorpio axis in general, it's our lived sensual experience on the Taurus side. It's the things that we can taste, touch, feel, like all of the common senses. And on the Scorpio side, it's beyond our normal five. Our intuition, our dreams, the unseen realms, and the veil is thin during this time of the year. Anyway, we have Halloween coming up on Tuesday next week. So really dive deeply into this and really pay attention and, like I said, reflect on what, what story has been building and what is culminating with the full moon. We always have a culmination of energy from six months ago anyway. So really important to pay attention to any of that that's coming up right now in your life, particularly around this full moon as we're closing out this these eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio won't happen again for another eight to nine years. So really, really important time to work with this and, and think about it. We still have the, what's been kind of ever-present square with Pluto squaring the nodes of the moon right now. The north node right now is at 24 degrees of Aries and the south node at 24 degrees of Libra. Like I said, those change signs back in July, but we've had Pluto squaring them for pretty much most of this year. And whenever we have a planet squaring the nodes of the moon, whether it's natally or by transit, like right now, it's a repeating lesson. So with Scorpio energy in general, it's that energy of transformation. It's digging really, really deep into our selves and our shadow work and very much about bringing hidden things to the surface, things that are frozen inside of us, in particular emotion, because it's a water sign. So think of an iceberg, and we can only see a little bit of that iceberg above the surface of the water, and there, it's usually huge beneath the surface, and it's freaking frozen, but it's got liquid water around it. So use that visual when you're thinking about what might be coming up and what's being thawed, what's coming to the surface, what's becoming liquid again, and being allowed to move and emote energy in motion. And... Our self-talk is really important. Think about Emoto's work with water and how if you talk to it with language that's more negative, like insults and things, that it can it changes the crystalline structure. If you talk to it with positive affirmations and things that are of a higher vibration, the crystalline structure becomes solid and beautiful. So if you haven't studied any of that, that could be a time to dive into that as well at this point. Or even, you know, during Scorpio season in general, now that we've been in Scorpio season since Monday and will be until towards the end of November. And the other thing, yeah, so with repeating lessons with Pluto squaring the nodes, this is very much a collective vibe, but also a very personal vibe. And when I talk about, I talked about resisting change, what have you been resisting that could actually become part of your own personal transformation. So that energy has been present most of this year in general anyway. We had it way more intense with the solar eclipse back on the 14th, but it's still there as kind of an undertone with tomorrow's full moon and tomorrow's eclipse. So the other thing to note that I talked about last time both of the eclipses this October are ruled by Venus, the last one being in Libra, that's one of the Venus-ruled signs, this one being in Taurus, the other Venus-ruled sign. This one's kind of sending, Venus is sending some supportive energy to this one as it's in an Earth sign, Venus is in Virgo, so it's Earth to Earth. But like I talked about last time, Venus has a little bit of extra challenge functioning in the sign of Virgo. 
So things also to think about in the release or the contemplation, the reflection, all of the things is we are perfectly imperfect. And sometimes things are not going to look exactly the way that we had planned. The details can get very messed up and murky at times, and that's okay. The whole point is to roll with it. Virgo is a mutable sign after all, and it's very much related to alchemy and systems and processes of transformation as well. And that's an invitation also with Venus being the ruler of this eclipse, again, with the second one, to really dive into our relationships and our relationship with ourself and everything that's been coming up, just kind of keeping that in mind that it might not look exactly as you had intended, but how can you still roll with it? And how can you still embrace whatever's coming up for change in particular and move forward with it? It's some kind of process of transformation. So that energy is there as well. I've been so fortunate to see Venus the last several mornings as I've been up since before sunrise. <laughs> and Venus is very far from the sun right now, uh, very high up in the sky before sunrise and just dazzling and beautiful as always. So maybe a little Venus gazing or connection visually could be helpful if you're really feeling the tension during this full moon and this eclipse season in general. And so this is the second eclipse, like I said, so the eclipse season will then close out in another two weeks with the new moon in Scorpio in mid-November, and that'll be a wrap on the eclipse season and the eclipses for 2023. So closing of the book in a way, and, you know, really, really ripe for rereading and seeing what chapters have been written and who's the protagonist and who's the antagonist and diving into all the chapters and the whole story once now that the book is kind of complete. That is our Astro Weather Check for today. That's pretty much what I wanted to cover and we will move now into our Chiron content and I'm just happy that we're covering Scorpio because <laughs> Scorpio in general has a really bad rap and can be very mysterious. And I feel like having this content as part of today's podcast episode uh, could be a really good way to process a lot. If you have Chiron and Scorpio, then this is also going to be really good and useful for you. And just talking about the zodiac sign of Scorpio in general with the Black Moon astrology cards that I'll read from, I think that it can be helpful with the energy that we're in right now as we're in Scorpio season anyway. So we'll move into the Chiron content and then I'll do the Black Moon Oracle card. And then I'm going to pull a card for all of us from my Diana Cooper Dragons Oracle deck. I uh, have talked before many times about how dragons are more present during eclipse seasons as the nodes of the moon, the north and the south, are the head and tail of a dragon, respectively. In Vedic astrology, you can find a lot of information on that and read about the myth and the story of how that came to be. And personally, as I've shared in seasons one, two, and three, I'm sure, as I'm sharing again now, uh, dragons have been a huge part of leading me back to astrology and my spiritual re reawakening process and are very, very present for me during eclipse seasons in particular. Although this season, we had really cool days last week where the clouds were just beautiful, just like big, fluffy, cumulus, like beautiful, beautiful, beautiful skies all last week. I didn't see any dragons in the clouds, which I normally do. So maybe that's to come with this eclipse coming tomorrow, but they've definitely been present. And I'll share at the end of the episode, the events that we have coming up. I will be co-teaching a Dragons class in early November. So we'll touch on that as well. But I think it's important to pull them into this episode. I didn't last time. Last time I focused on the Peace Warrior deck. I felt like that energy was more prevalent. But now that we're in the mysterious underworld experience season, I think that it's time for the dragons to speak up. So I will pull a card for us collectively from that deck before I close out the episode with announcements. 
So let's get into our Chiron content. So Chiron and, Scorp Chiron and Scorpio. And as we've done throughout the episodes this season, in Barbara's book, she starts with the date ranges that the people were born into. So we'll start there. If you were born on October 8th of 1896 through October 29th of 1898, you have Chiron and Scorpio. November 11th through November 11th of 1946 through November 28th of 1948, September 4th of 1997 through January 7th of 1999, June 2nd of 1999 through September 22nd of 1999, you have Chiron and Scorpio. <laughs> so I think that I'm probably speaking to some people who are listening, which would be great if you would share with me if this resonates with you. And as I usually do, I'll just skim the information and read kind of what the general information is about Chiron and the sign. And we'll skip over Barbara's specific chart examples. As I always share, if you want to learn the specifics or really dive deeply more into this content, just get the book. So Barbara says, when Chiron is in Scorpio, the transformative and evolutionary energy of Pluto becomes the personal quest. Just to note for anybody listening that's not aware, Mars is the traditional ruler of the sign of Scorpio. Pluto is the modern ruler of the sign of Scorpio. So just to touch on that in case you weren't aware, this is what she's talking about. The energy for the evolution is chirotic. That is, it focuses Plutonian depth and process directly into space and time. This is like the power of the multi-dimensional energy felt in integrated cultures during the age of Leo slash Atlantis, about 13,000 to 11,000 BC. During the age of Taurus, 4,400 to 2,200 BC, and which will be known again during the coming age of Aquarius. Right now, individuals with Chiron and Scorpio feel a deep memory of the time when Plutonic force was acceptable to the culture. But at this time, they think no one can imagine how they feel inside. It causes the struggle between Saturn and Uranus to be volcanic. And these natives are either extraordinary in their personal evolution or they have not found an avenue to express this increasing power within. They also may be expressing low Pluto by searching for power and pleasure at the cost of all others. The evolutionary force of Pluto will express itself as a learning through death slash Saturn or Kundalini life force slash Uranus. Experience is Plutonian or evolutionary, and the process of the psyche at any given moment is death or life oriented. Chiron is focused in space and time, and Pluto is unceasing evolutionary movement. Work must be done to see if the client is already dying, and behavior must be examined to see if this native is manifesting low or high Pluto attributes. And when we say already dying, just to kind of take a break for a moment, Pluto and Scorpio in general relate to our cycles of transformation, like I said. So with death, she's talking about metaphorically, if you're in a life, death, rebirth cycle. So when I talked about change, that can be considered a death rebirth cycle think of the phoenix think about all the animals associated with the sign of sign of scorpio the eagle taking a higher perspective the, the phoenix letting something burn and die off to then just be born again anew think of the scorpio and its body is a weapon and it carries venom in its tail and can kill somebody in a moment but 
that whole cycle, even though that can be an actual death, but if it's not, think about coming close to death or having a near death experience. Like she is talking about a person being close to death, probably in general, physically, that physical transformation anyway, but it's more metaphorical because that's what these planets and what that's what Pluto and the sign of Scorpio in general are very much all about. And that transmutation of emotion in being part of that process. So she gets, okay, she gets more into it. <laughs> I didn't want to say that and have it be mis misinterpreted, but she does talk about that in the next sentence. So back to Barbara. <laughs> Those born with Chiron and Scorpio face a death crisis or a significant choice to live relating to the issues of the house containing Chiron. Many of my files have Chiron and Scorpio in the ninth, meaning they cannot feel alive until they bring in the higher self with strong Kundalini flow, energy flow. Okay, now she goes into her specific chart work. Pardon me while I skim over this. I don't want to bring in too much that's unrelatable. All right, we'll just go to the last paragraph in this section of the book. The dynamic with Chiron and Scorpio is to notice whether there's repression or not. Do you feel that you own your own power? Is the position of the house Chiron is in a source of empowerment? Is the value system of the house understood? Is there any evidence of evolution there? If you have not yet had your Uranus opposition, you may be feeling that repression. And then if you have Chiron and aspect to other planets, in particular Pluto, Saturn, or Uranus, that's critical. She says many born in July through September of 47 and March through June of 48 have Saturn conjunct Pluto along with Chiron and Scorpio. So if you're in those birth years, you may seem repressed. Then she says the power of Saturn will loosen when the Uranus opposition happens. So if you're listening and you were born during those time frames, think about when you were 40, 42. I'll put a link to my Uranus opposition episode in the show notes so you can listen to that one because that's a really crucial time. Some of these natives had a death crisis with themselves or someone close to them around the time of their Saturn return triggered by the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, and the Saturn loosening will be difficult. So ultimately, if you're in those birth years, you may emerge as a teacher about Chiron and death. And if you are, I would love to hear from you. This resonates for you. So it's really about shifting, as she talks about in this book, from the Saturnian energy into the Uranian energy. So interesting to say the least. <laughs> I always love her perspectives on things. I did Chiron through the houses in season two. So if you know that you have Chiron and Scorpio, you can get more information and go a little bit deeper by listening to the Chiron in the house episode from season two. So if you have Chiron and Scorpio and this resonated, especially if you're in the specific birth years that she references, I would love to hear from you. And yeah, tell me about everything she discussed. What happened during your Saturn return? What happened during your Uranus opposition? Saturn return is ages 27 to 30, roughly. And Uranus opposition, like I said, is roughly 40 to 42. So feedback on that would be awesome if it resonated. And I hope that that was helpful, especially to you late 90s babies. And now let's get into our Black Moon astrology card. Scorpio card, as I always say, remember this, this is an Oracle deck. So there could be some parts in the description that I'm reading that there it's discussed as pulling the Scorpio card with other cards. I usually try and skim over that because it's not relevant, but if I feel like it's important when I come up to it, I'll, I'll include it. So the Scorpio card has a beautiful graphic uh, illustration of a scorpion. And it has an Egyptian, Egyptians in the background. So there's what you would typically see when we're talking about like Horus, the, um, looks like a human body with the head of a horse 
in horns on top of a looks like a, a a tomb a pharaoh tomb and it's like this person is kind of this person's gone through the death process the other person is helping that person through that and this is the process of transformation to a large extent and on the card it says i transform and it's card number 20 and we will read from the book for this card and the quote is put your ear down close to your soul and listen hard and that's a quote by Anne Sexton and the book says acknowledging desire and surrendering yourself to the depths will serve you best at this time Scorpio is one of the most fascinating signs in the zodiac it is ruled by Pluto planet of gutters and extremes and is the sign of sex money and passion it is a powerful sign Scorpios have a bad reputation for ruthless behavior which is not deserved like the other water signs Scorpio is emotional but not in the sympathetic way of Cancer or Pisces when Scorpios enter a room they don't have to say a word for the crowd to know they can feel their energy. The depth, their depth and their ability to understand others, all the while not revealing much about themselves, is profound. Scorpios inspire you to tell them your darkest secrets while revealing none of their own. <laughs> uh-huh. When Scorpios feel deeply, they fear the loss of control, and they will sting when threatened or cornered. Almost always, Scorpios will deliver the last hit. Scorpio does not roll over and play dead. They never forget a slight. People of this sign will make their mark even when they have to do it all alone. If the Scorpio card comes up, then you are being tested. You may feel isolated and on your own without much sympathy or help from others. If so, it's time to stand on your own and fight those forces gathered against you. You will likely win and come out much stronger and happier than before, but it's still an intense time. There are a number of positive changes with this card. You will soon gain what you have worked so hard for. This card implies karmic issues, even the resurfacing of past life recollections, so many of your relationships now will be of a karmic nature and thus be tried as well. Your life may seem like a trial. Matters involving inheritances and money may figure in, such as heirlooms, legacies, and what comes through family or people you are tied to from your deep past. You may have to deal with someone who may plot revenge over something you may not be guilty of. It will also be a time where enemies surface, so you you will be you will be wise to protect your reputation. Strong sexual attractions may arise, whether wished for or not. Obsessions are possible. It is wise not to get wrapped up in intrigues with people you don't know very well or have known only for a short time. Do not attempt to maneuver or manipulate anyone, as this will surely backfire. On the positive side, now is the time to be resourceful and guard that which you have worked for. If romance is your question, expect it to be transforming and not something you can leave aside. In some cases, your partner may seem aloof and hard to reach, and matters may erupt into unexpected passions. If surrounding cards indicate that things will progress, this may be one of the most important and transforming relationships you have ever had. In dealing with jobs and careers, expect intensity, restrictions, and demands. Sometimes when this card comes up, it indicates you will be going through a period of deep self-analysis. You may seek out a professional, or you may work through this time alone by reading or through reflection. Be careful when it comes to finances in areas such as taxes, property, and shared assets. 
You could have resounding successes or tremendous losses currently. But the message is to take your chance, then stick with your decision no matter what. You have the ability now to make it work. Scorpio card in brief. A new thing born out of spending, out of something thought dead. Let me read that again. I'm sorry. A new thing born out of something thought dead. Resurrection. Love born out of the depths of passion. Charisma. Desire. Sex. Gutters. Sewers. Stagnant waters. Funerals and graveyards. Ghosts and hauntings. Banks. Inheritances. Money or goods from a dead relative. The taboo. The unknown. Secrets. Blessings in disguise. Therapists. Going into the depths. Hades. Autumn. When things die off. Homicide. Paranoia. Suspicion. Seeing into the heart of matters. Being wise. Not suffering fools. Agreements. But with caution. Resentment. Severity. Hidden aggression. Enemies. Secret or open. Psychic energy. Powers, curses, and magic spells, metaphysics, vampire stories, anything Egyptian, being innocent yet accused, feeling lonesome, aloofness, being singled out, not being left alone, stalkers, past lives, the idea that death is never final. The corresponding tarot card is death, the death card, and key ideas transformation through desire, psychic ability, taxes, secrets, wins and losses, sexual attraction, and secret affairs. A few things that thoughts that came up while I was reading that. One, a lot of these themes relate very much to the eighth house. So this would be if you're an Aries rising, this is the way that I work with it. Scorpio is your eighth house. So that's, you'll see a correspondence between when I talked about the eighth house in last season and some of the themes that came up with this Scorpio card. The death key in the tarot. If you look at the card very closely, I, I pretty much primarily, actually it's the only deck that I have besides the Thoth, um, work with the Rider Waite. You'll see that the person's in shackles, the, the, the man and the woman figures are in shackles but they're loose and it's up to them to either stay in the shackles or remove them themselves. So I think that summarizes a lot of what I was discussing with the energy of the full moon in general and pr pretty much the last couple of years. Also, I think that at one point in the near future, maybe I'll start it next year. I want to start doing like a series of classes about the astrology of some of our favorite movies. And I, always during this season of the year, as soon as it shifts into fall and I start watching all some of my favorite movies that contain the themes of the season. So one of them is Practical Magic. And I was watching it recently. I usually watch it several times during the season. And I thought about how there's always a daughter or a woman in the family with red hair and one with brown. And then as you start analyzing the characters in the movie, in particular, the two main ones, their names always escape me. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> but the ones played by Sandra Bullock and the other by um, Nicole Kidman. And I, it occurred to me as I was watching it for the first time this year that the two characters, even the colors of their hair, are perfect representations of Mars energy. And the red-haired one, in general, like all of the redheads in the lineage of the family, being the perfect expression of Mars and Aries, and the darker-haired one, the brunette, being the perfect expression of Mars and Scorpio. So I think I want to touch on that at some point. I'm going to have some fun, I think, with movies and astrology, like planes, trains, and automobiles, and it's a wonderful life. And those things have been kind of in me for a while, and they're they're ready to come out, I think. So maybe look out for that next year. We can do like one per season or something. I think that would be fun. 
But think about it if you're a Practical Magic fan. Rewatch the movie if you're familiar with the signs and Mars expression and that kind of thing. Like really think about those two different ways that the planet expresses and how the signs express and see if you agree. And if you do, let me know. I'd love to hear. <laughs> Have some fun with it. Okay, so let's pull our dragon card. And then we will get into announcements and then we'll wrap up for today. So this is Diana Cooper's Dragon's Oracle deck, Dragon Oracle Cards deck. She also has a book about dragons, which I highly recommend. She does so much work with ascension and higher levels of consciousness and these higher level elemental beings. She also has a unicorns deck. And I think that she's just awesome. She's an elder. She's another fairy grandmother of the esoteric arts. So let's see what dragon card comes up for us today. We are still shuffling here. Okay, we'll stop there. Ooh, this is cool. Green gold dragon from Sirius brings universal knowledge to your spiritual pathway. Learn about spiritual technology. Be a transmitter of sacred knowledge. That's cool. So the image on the card is a dragon that's primarily green on its body. And it's got gold on the underside and the underside of its wings. And it's in space. And it's looking back at the earth behind it. And the earth has this... Uh, it's encircled in smoke, essentially. And that's pretty cool, I think, because it's like the circles of smoke around the globe are making kind of shadows. And that's exactly what eclipses do. And eclipses come in families, if you're familiar with the more scientific side of things. Uh, eclipses come in series called the Sorrow series. And they start at one end of the globe and they end at the other. And the whole time that the cycle of these eclipses lives, it encircles the globe in like the cosmic egg in a spiral. So pretty cool that this one came out during eclipse season. And we will go into the card. I think it's important to read from the card. I just have to find, there's different levels of dimensional dragons in this book. So let's just see what green and gold is. It's a little bit hard to find sometimes. Oh, bear with me. Green gold dragon from Sirius. So this is one of the seventh dimensional dragons. Card number 88 in the book, if you've got the deck. And this is what Diana says about this dragon. With the inner planes of the star system of Sirius and its ascended aspect, Lacume. There are renowned universities attended by beings from the entire cosmos. In these elevated establishments, higher knowledge and spiritual technology from many universes are disseminated. These magnificent dragons work in these academies of light and carry the codes, carry the keys and codes of the spiritual technology of the future in their energy fields. Their mission is to spread this to all those who are ready to help bring in the new golden age. These dragons are cosmic travelers and, like all dragons, help us to move through the dimensions. In addition, they will guide and protect us on our interdimensional journeys between Earth and other parts of the universe, especially if we aspire to be an intergalactic master. Drawing this card suggests you invite these luminous beings to swirl around you, touching your chakras with the sacred geometry of the universe. Then ask them to tune you in to any aspect of higher knowledge you can bring forward now. Sit quietly and allow this to happen. You may receive a download of information or various keys and codes you carry in your soul may light up. If so, you will become a transmitter who broadcasts sacred knowledge, though you may not be consciously aware of it. This is a very, very powerful dragon. 
So notice subtle changes in your thoughts and attitudes. Your dreams may reveal memories from your travels with the wonderful green gold dragons from Sirius. Oh, I love that. Thank you, dragons. Beautiful message. Beautiful, beautiful message. And I think that kind of goes, you know, it's like a homage a little bit to what I was talking about in the very beginning. As far as what's coming up in our subconscious and unconscious during these times, that's what surfaces generally during eclipse seasons. We shine a light on the darkness. The, the lights go out and we navigate through a dark room for a split second. Or, you know, if you're in the path of the eclipse for longer than that and the lights come back on, things are a little bit rearranged. We might trip over a piece of furniture that wasn't there before. And that's how these things work. And like I said, it's just an invitation to work with the energies of the change, to see what's coming up, shed light on those parts of ourselves, the shadow work, all of the things like this come up during these times. So you can call on the dragons for help in processing and in integration once the eclipse season is over. I usually suggest it's time to just really pay attention and document what's coming in and through. And then on the other side, once the eclipse season's over, so that'll be, like I said, then November, then it's time to really take action and start pu pulling all the pieces together and see what part of the story has been drafted for you in a rough draft format and how you want to finalize that into your life book. So that's our dragon for today. And then the other thing I meant to mention earlier during the Astro Weather Check is I always suggest the website timeanddate.com. That is a great resource for eclipses to see where they're visible. I checked it before I hit record. And in the United States, this eclipse will not be visible as the full moon and the eclipse will be happening before the moon's visible, before um, sunset. If you're in Africa or Europe or Asia, you will see this eclipse. It'll only be partial, like I said, but you can still see it. So when the moon rises here in Atlantic City, tomorrow it'll the light may be a little different it'll be on the very tail end of the eclipse you probably won't notice it at all so visibility for us is, is not there we will however starting next year be seeing eclipses again and the total one two weeks ago was also visible in parts of this country so very very cool and i'm excited i think i'm gonna go experience my first ever travels to totality so stay tuned for that in next year's <laughs> podcast episodes, but timeanddate.com. I will try and remember this time to put a link in the episode notes. I forgot to do that last episode, but it's really easy to find. And they have, like, we put your, your location in and it just gives you all kinds of information. You can see where these eclipses were happening historically. So in the past seasons of the same series, but also just past eclipses in general, it's got a wealth of information on that website. It's an awesome, awesome website. And the map is okay. I tried to zoom in on it and I couldn't, but it gives you a general idea. The areas where a visibility are color-coded. So it gives you a key underneath of it and everything. So awesome website. And they actually do broadcast it. So you could watch it remotely if you wanted to. Okay. So events coming up. If you are in the South Jersey area, these are the three things we have happening locally in person. Tomorrow, Sea Goddess will be vending at the final crops farmer's market of the fall season. We were supposed to be there in September, but we had the hurricane remnants come through and that one got canceled. Every Saturday, though, has been rainy. So I'm actually kind of grateful that we weren't able, available to participate <laughs> because vending in the rain kind of sucks if you're a vendor and you understand what I'm saying. So... Tomorrow, it should be beautiful in Linwood. It's at Linwood Central Square tomorrow from 9 a.m. to noon. Kind of in the back area, back where the um, Indian restaurant or the um, uh, Thai restaurant is and uh, the Italian restaurant. I don't know. I think it's still an Italian restaurant. But in that back parking lot area is where the farmer's market happens. They'll have signage all over Route 9. So you'll you'll be able to see it. We will be there vending. They will have live music. They will have pumpkin painting with the crops team. So that'll be a really fun one. And that is the season closer. So they have a whole Oktoberfest theme that goes along with this one. So we'll be there vending with all of our Sea Goddess goodies. Mandy and I will be there. 
So if you're local, come on out and say hi. And we love to see you. And we will have all of our awesome products there for purchase. And then on Tuesday on Halloween at the Sage Lady Shop inside Zen Landing Wellness Studio in Mays Landing, there will be a Halloween event happening with free candy, special gifts to people who RSVP, and Mandy will be there doing special discounted tarot readings. There will be uh, discounts for the Sage Lady Shop, so all of your witchy goodies she has all she has anything you could imagine that you'd ever want in that shop all different kinds of sage all different kinds of herbs jewelry books drums candles candle magic spells spell jars like anything you could possibly imagine so that will be on tuesday night on halloween i believe from six to eight and just hop on over there if you can. Just say hi in person. If anything, get some free candy and dress up in your costumes. And we would love to see you there. And then I will be there for my November dates. The first and third Thursdays of November are my days that I'm there doing astrology readings. And I'll be there next week on Thursday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. I have four time slots available. You can book them ahead of time online or just walk-ins are also welcome. So my reading slots are 10 a.m., 11 a.m., noon, and 1. And I will be there next Thursday. So come on and say hi, book ahead, like I said, but walk-ins are also welcome. And I'm extending my introductory rate into November. So it's a 45-minute natal chart reading for $98, which is a steal for me. And... If you've already had your natal chart done, we can focus on whatever you want for those 45 minutes. So it's not just, you know, brand new people. If you already know your chart, we can talk about whatever. And it's just a cool space. Just having that be our office and surrounded by all of those magical items and products and things. It's just the vibe in there is great. The staff is great. And we've been really excited and honored to be working with Christine. So that's in person for tomorrow and next week. And then online... On Monday night, we have our October online soul circle, and we'll be focusing on the eclipse, the full moon, the release, and we pretty much just hold space for an hour and a half. It's 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. on Zoom, and we offer energy healing, we offer meditation, we offer offer anything that we're kind of being called to focus on for that hour and a half, as well as I'll do an astro weather check during that circle as well. And we just hold space and support each other with whatever we're going through at the time. So it's lovely. We've been doing them monthly for a very long time now. They're actually included at half price in our Soul Garden monthly membership. So for members, it's only $11.11 a month. And for anyone that's not a member of the membership, then the Soul Circle is $22.22. So one of the many things included in our Soul Garden monthly membership that we just started offering back in June of this year. And you get a 30-day free trial as well. So if you join, you'll be able to go to the Soul Circle for free. <laughs> so that's pretty cool too. So that's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And that registration link is right on our website, but I'll also put that in the episode notes. And then, as I alluded to, Jess, um, our beautiful Orgone Energy Works sea goddess, beautiful, beautiful energy reader, medium. She's studying to be a psychic detective, makes our incredible Orgone Energy pieces that you see whenever we're vending. Jess is co-teaching a dragon's class with me. We're calling it Harnessing the Power of Your Dragon, or Dragons, and we're going to teach all about how to do that. As we, as I said, dragons are very present during eclipse seasons. We'll still be in eclipse season when we're teaching this class in November, early November, so it'll be November 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern. And we are going to co-teach this and talk about our individual dragon experiences as well as share how you can connect with your personal dragon and the dragon collective. And we'll be pulling from our personal experiences, but also resources that we have, including Diana's material. So we will be teaching that, like I said, Tuesday, November 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Zoom. 
and registration is on our website for that. And I will also put a link to that in the episode notes. So that'll be really fun. And Jess is offering, she makes personal Oregon dragons for people. This is part of how she started channeling the dragon energy a little while back. And those are available. She's opened up space for new orders through November. So if you are interested in having your own personal dragon's energy channeled into an Oregon energy piece, which is awesome, Jess is also offering that until the end of November. So I'll put a link to those in the episode notes as well. And I'm going to wrap it up for today. Thank you for bearing with me through my, you know, bits of low energy. And I'm just a little bit slow today, as I said, but thank you for being here with me. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for helping me continue offering this. If you want to throw me some extra support, I do have a paid subscription and that link is also in every episode at the bottom. So to become a paid subscriber, to just show me some extra love and support, that's only $18, or I'm sorry, $8.99 a month. So that option is also there. If you're in the position to support me financially, you can, and I would greatly appreciate that and would love some feedback for next season. Like I said, um, throwing out that call to whatever my listeners want to learn about and hear about. And you can just email me for that, uh, ursaalchemy at gmail.com. And I offer readings, all different types of astrology readings, aromatherapy services, astrological aromatherapy. So that is all also on my Sea Goddess page, seagoddesshealingarts.com slash ursaalchemy. I would love to work with you. And if we've already worked together, remember, I also have check-ins, 30-minute and 60-minute check-ins as a service as well. So as we always close with every episode, remember to be a maverick. Bye.